I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up? What up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Tina Butterwolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh -huh. Rebel Radio is going down. Would you say Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. Welcome back. It's Rebel Radio. I'm your host, Josh Levine. My guest today, hilarious comic Jimmy O. Yang. I don't know if you've seen Jimmy. He describes his look as a hot Asian chick. You might know him from the show Silicon Valley, where he plays John Yang, or from his stand-up around the country, or maybe the Arsenio Hall show. He's going to give us some great stories of his uh, pretty quick rise in the comedy world, how he's been able to kind of leapfrog maybe other comics uh, on his way up, and how he decides when to use race in his comedy. Um, and he gives us a great life lesson. Never ask for stage time. I'm sure we could think of a lot of scenarios where that applies in life. Good stuff here coming up right after the EDM.com track of the week. That was our EDM.com track of the week, Sydney B, with a track called 89 to Infinity. Hey, make sure you hit us up on Twitter at Rebel Radio Net, or find us on Facebook or iTunes and leave us a review. 
We'd love to hear what you think of the show and what you think of these tracks of the week. We have one every week from our partners at EDM.com. We hope you like them. And we hope you like this interview with Jimmy O. Yang right after we pay some bills. Instead of driving to the warehouse store, spending half your day picking up stuff and trying to get it up the stairs, you can shop box.com for the products you use every day straight from your house. Toilet paper, paper towels, snacks, buy them in bulk, get the best prices. I'm hoping you use toilet paper every day, but you know what? It's none of my business. Do you. Hey, with Box.com, you can shop at any hour, any day, from your own home. In about two business days, everything shows up at your doorstep. It's like magic. You'll save time, gas, and money because there's no annual membership fee. And right now, for listeners of Rebel Radio, they're going to give you 20% off and free delivery on your very first order at Box.com. What could be better than that? I can't think of anything. Go to box.com, enter the code REBEL, that's B-O-X-E-D.com. Use the promo code REBEL, box.com, promo code REBEL. Now let's get into the interview with Jimmy O. Yang. I just love Line. Because they're done now. Love Line's over. It's over. How sad is that? That's uh, crazy. So I did it with Drew and Adam, not Drew and Adam, Drew and Mike Catherwood. Mm. Like two months ago. But okay. Adam and Drew has a but podcast. But you were on Adam and Drew. Yeah, Adam and Drew's yeah, yeah. podcast. Oh, okay. And I did that twice. Nice. Yeah. And uh, I might go do Adam's show. Nice. Just Adam's show soon. Oh, that's cool. But they're like my heroes. So like I was, that was like one of my my dreams to be on their show. Yeah. I'm glad it kind of worked out. It's crazy listening to the, the dudes with their radio voices. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? I must have came in like 98 with Dub C and like... You know, I've been listening to the show forever, and like, uh, and yeah. then you walk in, and it's just this little ass room. Yeah, and, yeah, it's a very small operation. But yeah, yeah, no idea. Like, I, and for me, like, I mean, I've been to radio stations uh-huh. a, as a manager, but I, but you have this built up in your mind, like, what this thing's gonna be. Right, right, and like Drew and Adam's like these people right. up here, they're and just dudes, they're just sitting there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. So you used to be a music manager. Yeah, that's how, kind of how I got started. I was a, uh, ra- I was a hip hop. Journalist and then a manager. Oh yeah, write a little bit about that on the PDF. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that was that was kind of my old life. My old life, which well, you seem like you have some success managing Dubsy and stuff. When I was in college, I used to like make beats. Did you? For like hip hop and stuff. I I sold some beats online, but like I never like. Where'd you go to school? uh, UCSD. Oh okay. Yeah. So then after that, that's when I started stand up. I realized that wasn't for me. Really? I just wasn't that great at it. I was okay. I just. I didn't want to sit in the studio for like eight, ten hours. Right. I want to be in the front. You know. I think you got to love that. Like I, you know, I don't know that you have to actually be very good. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, listen to like shit that's out there. Like, oh yeah. It's not. Yeah. But you got to love it. You got to like love fucking sitting there and looking at buttons. Yeah. And then after that, go push your music or promote right. it or something. I just. Yeah. I like that to a certain degree, but after like eight, ten hours, it's just too much. You know. I'm, I, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I used to hate sitting going to the studio. With, yeah, like you know, I'd, yeah, because you just sit there and they're like, "Oh, let's do that again." Right, right, right. Like, it's fucking because I didn't have nothing to do. I was a manager. I'm uh-huh. like, you know, I'm like, I'm either sitting making there. calls or yeah, I'm just sitting there. Who else did you rap? And then uh, so I started. Uh, well, the people so I managed the Baker Boys, mm-hmm. who at the time were uh, uh, afternoon radio guys, Power 106. Oh, okay, cool. Mix show guys. 
and then producers. So they produced like volume 10. I don't know if you knew. It's probably before your time. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then I had this guy who was kind of like, he was, you know, he's kind of a big G funk guy. And then he became like, uh, now he's a producer. So he produces for Kanye and, and, oh, wow. uh, E40. I love that whole G-Funk Bosco. era. Did you? It's great, man. Yeah. I what mean, kind of music were you making? Some some hip hop. I try to do a lot of the West Coast stuff. Did you? Yeah. I can yeah. send you some stuff if you want. Dude, to I'll check it, it out know? for it's, sure. It's still fun. Yeah. You know. Nice. It's it's a past life though. Yeah. It's just like a novelty thing I tell people now. It's right. not not like some. Hey man, check out my beats. Hey, give it to your buddies, you know. Man, I was listening to. Uh, uh, Mike Rappaport show. Oh yeah, and he had Tom Green on. Okay, and Tom Green had a whole story about he used to be a rapper. He like put a record out. Really? Yeah, like a funny rapper. Or no, like no, no, no. Actually... Like they were trying to be like that's crazy. You know, the next third base or some shit. Wow. Um, fourth base, I think it was called. I think maybe stand up uh, and 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 hip hop is very, and rap is very close to each other. Or just live performance and, and all yeah, of us are kind of rejects at some point right. of society and then, you know, we, we go on and do this kind of stuff. I think so. And I think, like, yeah, I mean, definitely the willingness to put yourself out there. Uh-huh. That's big. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the, like, uh, you know, certainly the, the creativity. But, you know, I think comedians supposedly maybe you'll uh, – bust my bubble on this but like you know that there's a there's a storyline for comedians that is very honest true yeah I and, mean, and it, i think rappers are just fucking liars right like they well i think it, it's the same right there are comics that are liars that make stuff up yeah. but it's not funny right like it's only funny when it's true when yeah. it's come from your point of view or else it either becomes kind of general kind of hack sure or it's just not funny like if you just make stuff up it's not funny like it's only funny when somebody in the audience is like Oh my God, that's so true. That happened to me. Or like, I right. think about that. That's yeah. that's when the truth and the funny really comes in, you know. But see, so so hip hop used to be like that, mm-hmm. you know. And, and not to like, I know I'm, you know, I always end up in the old guy role. I mean, I get it. Um, I mean, but, but it's yeah. not a complaint, right? But hip hop used to be like that, and and you know, when I remember when you know Fifty Cent came out, and people were like, oh, it's so like clubby Com- yeah so yeah. commercial so yeah. like and they were like but he got shot nine times so his shit is real right you know what i mean and like so you would you would buy into it that was a and real then, thing right if you get shot yeah. it was a big yeah yeah it was a thing right? lift and 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 so and to your point right so it's stuff that either happened to you or it's your point of view that's informed by real experiences and but it's not that anymore no one cares really i don't think so Nobody cares about being shot, or nobody. Cares no, I think about you care anything. if you're the one being shot, but I don't <laughs> think anyone cares about rappers like credibility. Now it's all the beat, right? right. It's a producer's game. Yeah, every... but it's also it's it's you know look, like everyone's happy with Drake. He's white. He's fucking yeah. you know a nice kid, like yeah. nice Jewish boy, whatever. Everyone's like, cool, that's fine. Like he that couldn't have happened, and I, and I'm not shitting on Drake. But that that couldn't have happened 10, 20 years ago. No, I don't like, think so. He yeah. would have just been rejected, right? You know, from the jump, he wouldn't have gotten. No one would have, would have given him a shot. You yeah. Know what I mean? And uh, <coughs> I don't know, but I'm excited to have you here, man. Thanks for hell yeah. Thanks for responding to my cold email. No problem, dude. Um, yeah. 
I've been following you, I don't know, I think from the Laugh Factory uh, YouTube page. Oh, wow. Crazy. And, uh, yeah, because I'm in, I love comedy and and, right. uh, and I love discovering, not that, not that I discovered you, but I discovered you for myself. For sure. No, um, that, that's awesome, man. And so, yeah, and then I, and then I, you know, I started watching all your stuff from there. So, oh, thanks, that's dope, man. man. I'm happy to have the you. Power there. of YouTube. You that's know? right. Yeah. How is that? Like, is, is that, um, well, I got I got a lot of questions, but I, I don't want to start there. I always like take me back to the beginning, and I sure. so so you were just saying before you before comedy, you were making music. I was trying to make some beats, um, selling online. Were you always into music as a kid? I played a violin because I was Asian, right? So it wasn't really my choice. I didn't okay. really like it, but I I was pretty good, even yeah. though I didn't like it. Yeah. Um, and Did, then, like you play, like you performed. Not like crazy, just like practice at home. And right. then in high school, I joined the orchestra. Okay. And then there was the chamber orchestra, you know, a super nice. nerdy stuff. Yeah. Uh, That's good for the chicks. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> maybe not so much for me. Um, so at the end, towards the end of high school, you know, I really got into hip hop with my buddies. Yeah. And then one of my buddies, he got, um, I think he got, uh, what's that program called? Acid or something? Uh -huh, yeah. So he started making beats, chopping up beats on acid. And then I was like, oh, I want to do that. And I think I can do that better than him. So sure. then I got like Fruity Loops and then I ended uh -huh. up buying the MPC and stuff like that. Really got into it. Really, it just became like an obsession. Um, I did that all the way through college. What got you into hip hop? Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess, you know, so I came to this country when I was 13. Yeah. Right. In Hong Kong, like you just listen to a lot of like sing kind of like R&B-ish stuff, like the local Hong Kong stuff or right. China, Japan or something like that. And then when I came here, all this music was new to me. Is it is it like is it like like I'm familiar with J-pop? Yeah, it like that kind of thing happening in Hong Kong. It's like Hong Kong pop, maybe, yeah, but yeah. similar. Yeah, that's a thing. HK pop, uh -huh. um, something like that. It's, it's a very HK. slow, just love songs and things like that. It's right. not as ridiculous as you know. And did you um, have how much American music were you exposed to? Just um, the very popular stuff. Same thing with movies, right? Like right. you know, you get the Michael Jacksons, you get the Stallones, the Schwarzeneggers. So what was the first record that like? you remember like um american record i i still remember my dad on on like like in his car he always played the eagles uh -huh. um i think it was a compilation live tape called uh hell freezes over yeah, it was yeah. like the best of the eagles for sure great great songs i love yeah. it you know and and that was very easy to listen to right because my dad will always be the old man complaining about everything being too loud right so the acoustic guitar and everything like he he loved all those guys yeah. um so that was one of my early exposures. And of course, Michael Jackson yeah. and, you know, Prince, Madonna, all those really popular stuff. Yeah. So now when I came to America, I was kind of familiar with the pop stuff like Britney Spears, all that. Um, but then the group of buddies, you know, I, I started hanging out with was really into hip hop. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know who Tupac or Biggie was when I was like 15, mm -hmm. you know. And um, I really just dove into that, really got into it. And at the same time, you know, when I was watching a lot of music videos on MTV and BET, Rap City, Big Tig in the Basement, that's when I also kind of got my first um, start watching stand-up comedy. Yeah. Because there wasn't any stand-up in Hong Kong. Right. So I started watching stand-up. So is stand-up, I have this vision of stand-up mm -hmm. as like an American thing. Very, very yeah. much so. I think it started, now they have it a little bit in Hong Kong, and obviously right. there's a boom in uh, uh England and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Australia and all that. But I think it all started in America. Mm -hmm. It just seems like a, a hard, like, I haven't been to Hong Kong, but I've been, my dad lives in Beijing. Mm -hmm. so I've, I've oh, been, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, what does he do there? 
He well, that's a whole that's another show. But he's uh, <laughs> he's actually a country singer. Wow! In, in Beijing. In Beijing, does yeah. he sing in Mandarin? Uh, he sings. No, he writes his own songs in English mostly, and then he'll throw in some like classic, uh, like traditional music that he plays with like a country guitar. Traditional like, Chinese music. Yeah, yeah, that sounds amazing. It's 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 wild. Wow! It's bizarre stuff. Um, but he's killing it over there, and, and so anyway, so so I was gonna say like it's hard to imagine culturally, like forget about the the. But just culturally, like people getting up on stage and telling jokes in these in some of these different cultures, like China, for example. Yeah, it's very reserved culture. I yeah. mean, they have like a two man sketch thing. Uh huh. But that was almost like a very old, like vaudeville jester, you know, right. like a vaudeville type of act that's been been around. And stand up, I don't think really happened until like just a few years ago. Yeah. You know, and now it's starting to boom a little bit. But um, even like 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 you're saying, like culturally, right? Like my jokes probably wouldn't translate right. if I just word by word translate into Mandarin. Sure, a lot of stuff. Even okay, you look at like when I started watching stand up, BET Comic View. Most of the stuff back in you know the two thousands and nineties was like black people do this, white people do that. Right. You say that to a Chinese audience, they have no idea what right. you're talking about. Yeah. Maybe you can translate that and, and remix the whole thing and sure. be like Chinese people do this and American people do that. Right. From my point of view. Yeah. But. It doesn't translate stereotypes. A lot of it is about stereotype and yeah. all that, and and it doesn't it doesn't quite translate. Um, so there is not just a language barrier, but like a cultural barrier. Yeah. And I feel like I do want to go go back to Hong Kong or China, not necessarily to even do a Mandarin or Cantonese, but to do it in English uh-huh. and really kind of um, you know take advantage of that whole boom and all that. I think I could do it, but it would just take a lot of time and effort sure. and really focus on the writing flight. a new set yeah. and, and a 16 hour flight. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you know, I mean, so you're, you're on social, you're a funny Asian dude. <laughs> right. Um, and so you leverage that, like you're, you're not, uh, and, but you know, I think that seems to be like race and ethnicity mm-hmm. is a very um, popular comedy topic. Yeah. Right. Like whether you're Louis CK or whether you're, you know, certainly any ethnic comedian or non-white comedian, mm-hmm. like it's hard to think of one who doesn't bring race into their to their act. Yeah. Um, was that why? Why is that? Like it, for you, was that a conscious decision to be funny Asian dude as opposed to just funny? <laughs> that Chinese? was just a funny thing I yeah. did. The funny Asian dude thing it was kind of catchy, but I mean. With the cultural humor and the race humor, I always enjoy watching BET. I never, I hated all those Comedy Central 30 minutes. I couldn't get through one of them. Yeah. But the BET stuff was just so funny to me and it's what, so new. What comedians were you watching it? Like? Oh man, I think um, when I was watching, Bruce Bruce was hosting, uh-huh. Jay Anthony Brown, and then a bunch of really, really funny people. I mean, Ricky Smiley was one of them. Um, he's a big radio guy now, I think. Mm. And, um, I don't know. There's a there was a ton of people that I you know I couldn't quite think of on top of my head. It was only like five minute showcases each of them, and I just thought that was so funny. Yeah, and a lot of that was like I said, black people, white people stuff. So when when I first start, I think it's also an easy avenue to go to talk about. Hey, Asian people do this, right? You know, and you get an easy laugh. Of course. And there's, you know, not that many Asian comedians, so there's definitely an angle there. Yeah. And when you first start, you want to take advantage of all those Asian showcases at the Ontario Improv. Right. You know, you want to do that because you just want to get some stage time. Of course. And then as you grow, 
it becomes you don't you, you like I I don't just try to like write an Asian joke. I try yeah. to write a joke now with my own point of view, my own perspective. But that perspective comes from my experiences of being an Asian man. I sure. can't get away from that. You yeah. know what I mean? If I talk about, um, I don't know, just going to a park, just walking around a park. Mm-hmm. My experience walking around a park is different than your experience walking a park. I mean, some of it is because of, you know, the way I carry myself, my personality, mm-hmm. my stature, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is about my race, my sure. you know, uh, who I am, and people say certain things to me because of this um, race thing. Yeah. So that <clears throat> becomes part of the comedy, but it doesn't. It, it's it's not. I try to not make it like solely what it is. It's just my perspective instead of just hey, I'm Asian. So how how, how conscious is that for you? Like, like at what point? Like you said, you know, you go to the Asian showcase because because mm-hmm. it works, right? Because you get show, you get stage time, right? right? And then, you know, and you 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 know, I you need the easy laughs, right? You the uh, easy yeah, wins, especially right? when you first start, yeah. yeah. Of course. Um, so, like, is there a point that you remember that you're like, okay, I gotta now I gotta write a like non-Asian joke or like I gotta expand my repertoire? Is that I'm I, I'm not sure if there was like a point. Like it, it wasn't like, oh man, I was at this showcase for diversity and I failed, and now this snapped me back into judgment. Whatever right. it is, it's not that necessarily. It's just I think as you grow as a comic, you learn more and more about stand up. Yeah, you know, you see what's going on around you. You're more familiar with the world, and um, you become a harder critic on yourself. Yeah. So I mean, part of a set, right? Like right now, like say I'm headlining, I'll do 45 to an hour or something like that. But when you first start, it's five to ten minutes. Right. So you just do your best stuff. Yeah. And then as you come up with new jokes, it's like a, it's like um, my my buddy, I think uh, Greg Wilson said this. It's like uh, making an all-star team. Mm-hmm. You know, you have ten minutes, you have ten mm-hmm. ten people on your roster, and you try to have the new better jokes replace the older jokes. So now with an hour you're still doing that but right. in a in a bigger scale. So sure. there's still jokes that I that I tell in the 45 minutes or an hour um that is pretty old and I would want to phase them out mm-hmm. but it's a process. Mm-hmm. I can't just phase them out with a new shitty joke that's not ready. I got to try out the new stuff and it's constant trial and error until you get a new joke that's ready and then you can replace it in that set on something that you're just tired of, you know. Saying, like it, it bores you. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So go back though. So you were you were making music in sure. college. Yeah. What were you gonna do? What was the career gonna be before comedy? Um, were you thinking? I, I wanted music? to be. A, I wanted to be a rapper. Yeah. You know. I mean, who didn't, right? Yeah. Back in the two thousands, coming up as a teenager. So I wanted to be a rapper. Obviously, I couldn't rap, and uh, not obviously, but I just couldn't rap. There's a bunch of actually great Asian rappers. You know. Yeah. Uh, my buddy uh, Jin. Jin, Jin is for awesome. Sure. Yeah, we know Jin. Um, he actually he actually moved to Hong Kong yeah. uh, a few years ago and killed it, yeah. and then came back here. Anyway, so uh, I just I just couldn't rap personally, um, and I mean I'm I'm not I don't look gangster. I'm like the opposite of that, so I'm no street cred whatsoever. Yeah, so but, you know, like say you know, maybe that's your thing, you know? Maybe yeah, maybe that's my the, maybe the, maybe now I can do you're it. You're the Asian Macklemore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. When I was growing up, people thought I was gay. Right. That that would be a that. That's that, a good that song. Would be a good line. Yeah. That's see? a t- that's a song title. Right. Um. Maybe my my thing would be when I was growing up, people thought I was a girl, something like that. <laughs> 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 so I realized I couldn't rap, but I had a lot of buddies that were like, you know, 
uh, you know, encouraging me to make the beat. I, I was getting pretty good. You know, yeah. you grind enough in a studio, you're going to get good at this beat making yeah. thing. And then I got pretty good to a point I was able to sell beats for like a few hundred bucks online, which is a big deal for like a yeah, college kid, you know. Sure. So I thought that could be a career. And I kept pursuing it. I think I would have gotten somewhere with it. But it got to a point where I just I couldn't sit in the studio for eight hours a day. Whereas the studio is my home or yeah. actual studio or my buddy's house. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, I needed to be more social. I needed to make new friends. I wanted the front stage attention, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So... I, I started phasing that off just because I was getting depressed doing it. So most it. people, like, you you try to be like Puffy, like you're just jumping up on stage with your artist. And right. Like, like in the uh, video. coming out of your left, um, your headphones, <laughs> right. like, yeah, yeah, do it, uh, yeah. Exactly. Uh, another one. So, I mean, I, I, yeah, I wanted to be that guy. That, that's the only guy I could have been, yeah. but it, it's not quite satisfying in that sense. You I know? get it. So sure. I, as I was facing that, I still want to do some creative. Yeah. And then I stumbled into stand-up comedy. Um, just I, I was literally, I was just bored, and I needed to make new friends. So I went to the Haha ha Comedy Club here in North Hollywood to do mm. open mics. You got to pay five bucks for five minutes in nice. front of, like, five other stand-up comedians. Yeah. You know, just, just to do, just, just to grind it out. Right. But I didn't care. I didn't care if I didn't get laughs. I didn't care if, you know, it was a long drive or anything. I just wanted to make friends, and I was. Yeah. So I was actually a pretty good public speaker. I didn't have any, like, stage fear. So that kind of worked out towards my advantage. And um, I kept doing it when I went back to college in San Diego. Stayed there for a couple years, grinded it out. Yeah, and that's doing how stand-up. I got, yeah, doing yeah. stand-up, and that's how I got my start. And then I moved back to L.A. And so at what point did you decide or realize, like, that this would be a career? When I graduated college, so I started stand-up maybe my junior year or something, and I was an econ major. Mm. Um, just because that was like a pretty safe major, you know, coming from an Asian family. It's either engineering, doctor, like, you know, right. something respectable like finance. Sure. So I got an internship at uh, Smith Barney, okay, which is a pretty big, like, you know, yeah. nice-sounding financial consulting firm. But I just hated it. I just couldn't, like, see myself working there at all. Um, I'm still interested in the stock market and all that, but as a career, as a job, I would just kill myself if I had to do that. Yeah. So I didn't take a job offer or anything like that <clears throat> after college, and uh, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I started working at a comedy club in San Diego, and that was really the only thing I really, really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And at that point, my goal was just to maybe scrap together enough money that I can pay rent doing this. Like get a college agent, right. do some shitty college shows once a month yeah. just so I can live off of this. And then yeah. I can figure it out, whatever my next step is. Yeah. It never, I, I guess maybe in the back of my mind, it was like, this is it. But it wasn't that. It, 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 it was more like, well, this is the only thing I can do that I enjoy doing. So let's grind it out until I figure something else out. But eventually I was lucky enough to like have that be my career, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that figuring itself out in some sense, you know. This episode of Rebel Radio is brought to you by Wix.com. Did you know that more than 84 million people worldwide are building their own websites using Wix.com? You don't need a designer, programmer, any of that stuff. There's hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from. Use a drag and drop editor, and next thing you know, it your website is done and it looks great. If you have a business, something for your side hustle, your hobby, whatever you're doing, you need to create a website and it needs to look good, and you need to do it without spending a lot of time and money. 
So use Wix.com. It's free, it's fast, and it's easy, and you'll have a great website done today. Go to Wix.com, W-I-X.com. Send us a link to the website that you build, and we'll promote it here on the air. All right. What was that first show like? The first, like, open mic? Yeah. I remember I wrote like five minutes of material. It was like really hack, you know, jokes. Usually when a dude comedian starts, it's it's about masturbating or something. Right. I got some laughs, but it was like cringy or like, you know, real pandering laughs. I remember it was about, I did a bit um, about um, masturbating. Like I'm too overstimulated. Like people have like computers in front of you and a TV next to you. Right. Like I'm masturbating on one end and then... Like I'm about to like come, and then the TV says Michael Vick just star scored a touchdown, and I end up like jerking off to Michael Vick. So you know it's kind of funny, but it's like a really hack joke yeah, in some sense. It. But it got some laughs that got me encouraged, and yeah. uh, it was just fun to do, yeah. and it was stuff that I wanted to talk about, just be silly. Well, I was I asked because you you know you said you like you went in there not expecting anything, right? But like you know. How much did it affect you? Like once you're up there and you get some laughs and like, yeah, you get some laughs and 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 for me, one of the main reasons, like I said, it's to make some friends. Yeah, I realized I was hanging out the same group of friends. Like I'm not even meeting girls. Like sure. it's like a dead end with like five friends. I mean, they're still my great friends from high right. school, but yeah. we're just playing Madden at home. Like yeah. we're not doing anything. So just getting out there doing something where people are paying attention, mm-hmm. and also, um, you know. Afterwards, like making something. Hey, man, you were funny too. Oh, man, you. Hey, man, nice to meet you. What's your name? I'll right. see you here next week. Yeah. So now, boom. There's some progress in my life. Yeah. I'm making some new friends. Uh, I have this new hangout, and maybe I can meet some girls doing this. Mm-hmm. So that was huge. You know, mm-hmm. uh, feeling kind of accepted. Yeah. In some sense, and there's yeah. no no barrier of entry. So so it was it was very easy in the stand up world. Yeah. And so do you? Um, so then you start. You start going, right? Like that mm-hmm. that becomes your thing. Um is there like a, is there somebody showing you the ropes or are you just figuring it out on your own? Is there like mentors? Yeah. Um there's a couple people, especially when I was in San Diego. My buddy Sean Kelly, who's still mm-hmm. a mentor of mine till today. He's like a veteran comic and he was also like a genius businessman. Yeah. He he you know, he taught me a lot about comedy and like how to just life stuff, business stuff, how to like get ahead in mm-hmm. some sense, right? And also that fan. Uh, he was a San Diego guy, and I looked up to him a lot. There wasn't too many Asian comics, so yeah. he was also a San Diego comedian, and he would come back, back and forth, and I used to be like, oh my God, that's that's fucking that fan. Season one, you know, winner of last comic stand. I looked yeah. up to him a lot. And then he helped me out a lot, you know, um, you know, show me the ropes. I'll just go hang out with him when he's doing a show at Irvine uh, what early kind of, on. What kind of stuff you learned from him? Just how the comedy world kind of works there's open mics Mm -hmm. there's showcases there's bringer shows and you know really in the beginning you're not really that funny to really get stage time you got to beg for it or you book your own show so you book other comics that are also booking their own shows so they will in turn book you back. Right. So now it's like you hold their hand, they hold yours, and then yeah. and then now y'all getting some stage time. The most important thing is stage time because that's the thing you need. You need practice to get good. Mm-hmm. Once you get good, you get to a level where you like you can get paid. Then it's a different story. Mm-hmm. But really, comedy comes 
down to all about stage time, and there's a little desperation about it, and 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 there's a way to carry yourself in a way that you don't really ask for stage time, but you're there in the right places for stage time to be given to you, sure. type of thing. So it's yeah. a lot of like nuances in the comedy world that I'm sure yeah. is there in the music world, in the producing world, in the radio world. Yeah. That's there that I just kind of observed and learned from these guys. I mean, I remember that when I was when I was doing management that, you know, once in a while you'd come across somebody who was just like so desperate. Right. Like, and, and, and you almost couldn't even listen to their music. Right. Cause it, it just was like, they were like, just give me a shot. Like, just put me on, you know? And like, I think, and the reality is that's what everybody was feeling mm-hmm. to some extent, right. When you're starting out. Right. But nobody wants to hear that. No, no, you, you never, I mean, the rule is you never ask for stage time. I remember right. one of the first times I was at the Laugh Factory, you know, when I did the show and Jamie, the owner, came up to me after, just like a little showcase. I was really green and like, you know, Laugh Factory was like, the shit. And then he came and was like, hey man, you're funny, blah, blah, blah. And then I made the cardinal mistake of being comic. I was like, yeah, you know, uh, anytime you need a comic, man, I'm here, man. You know, I'm, I'd love to come to your show. And he just kind of looked at me and he walked away. Yeah. And I was like, what happened? Like, what just happened? And then I, I told another comic about that. He's like, yeah, don't ask for stage time, man. If he's got stage time for you, if you want you, he'll yeah. ask for you. You know, yeah. and that works for, you know, really anywhere else. So it's kind of tricky. You can't really ask for it. But it's like girls, right? You can't just go up to be girls. He's like, hey, uh, can I just have sex with you? Right. Like, you can't do that. You got to kind of be there. Have her like you first. Like, right. they're the choosers. Yeah. You know, we feel like we're the choosers, but we're not. You gotta have the girl like you first, and then and then you can have a conversation. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I I think a lot of people miss that, and they, you know, there's, you know, there's all this emphasis on like, you know, go for it like, and networking. Yeah. If if there's an email or anybody invite me to an event and it involves the word networking, I'm right. not going. Like, yeah. there's no way. Yeah. You know, um, it, it's there's a lot of great funny comics that I've known for years that's been doing it for 10 more years than I have. Yeah. Probably funnier than me a lot of them. Mm-hmm. But they just never gone nowhere because they don't know how to carry themselves or they don't want to spend the time to hang out at certain comedy clubs like and yeah, they just still doing like 5 minute showcase spots or whatever instead of trying to think about the big picture of how to approach this. It's it's very much a business and you got to sell yourself in a way that's not desperate. So at what point did you start thinking about all that, about, about, you know, this, about how to approach it as a business? Um, I guess I I was always pretty business minded, you know, so I grew a little faster, not just, you know, on the funny sense, but like on the business sense, getting to know what the stand up world is about. Mm -hmm. I made sure I kind of, you know, when I booked my own shows, I make sure I sold it out so the club owners like me, so they gave me extra stage time, things like that, right? Um, and then stand up for the longest time, it didn't play, pay. I mean, um, like how long? How long were you doing it before you started? Oh man, um, I think probably. Well, it's short compared to other people, but about maybe four years in, I got a college agent, and that started paying a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it was a lot of risk taking because you got to invest in the NACA showcase. It was like the oh, college right. showcases. Yeah. You're probably familiar with that. Yeah. Invest a lot of money in that. Hopefully, you get a spot. If you do get a spot, fly yourself out there, showcase. And the students like you to give you some dates, right? Mm-hmm. And then even then, if you get the dates, it doesn't pay much. It says maybe 1500 bucks on the contract. Right. But 
you got to pay for your own travel. Right. Well, at least I did. Yeah. Agent takes 10, 15 yeah. percent. And then, um, you know, after all that expenses, you make like 600 bucks a show right. after traveling six hours to New York and driving another two hours to, say, I don't know, like Onienta or something like right. some, some shit, you know. Yeah. And um, so that was tough. But Shout out to Onienta. Yeah, man. <laughs> upstate. I think it's upstate. I don't know. Uh, but that was tough. It wasn't. I hate I hated doing that, yeah, but that was sure. the only way for a young comic to make money, because clubs weren't paying anything. You know, you're not a draw. You're not. Right. You don't sell tickets. Yeah. Um, like now, I'm barely starting to you know go on the road and and do some stuff. Because for the longest time, I was trying to build up my credit here, in LA doing TV. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. So like when I go on the road now, they can say, "Oh, you seen this guy in Silicon Valley? If you fan right. of the show, you fan on this guy." Yeah. Now, now come watch him. So now yeah. the club owners are more interested, you know, and I got to prove that I can sell tickets, right? Uh, but it's very hard to make money as a stand-up. The college thing, I was lucky enough to look young enough and and be personable enough for that market. Right. And 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 you could you could kill at that market. I know people that make six figures in that market, but it's very hard work. You yeah. know, you got to do like a hundred shows a year, traveling wow. nonstop. Yeah. Um, so that wasn't what I wanted to do, and it became a point where like I was missing auditions in LA for acting stuff, which I knew was going to propel me to the next level of my career, not doing college shows. Right. So I I really just had to. So so stay how the, how'd you how how'd we get there right to to acting? Um, it was a little bit of luck, I think, just like anything else, right? Um, when I moved back to LA, I lived. Uh, in this dude's living room for like 300 bucks off Craigslist. I literally had like two grand in my bank account from working the comedy clubs and stuff yeah. like that. So um, it's pretty desperate, right? Didn't want to get a job as a waiter or anything. Um, didn't want to get a finance job. Mm-hmm. Just want to do this. And the college shows I would do like once a month. So starting to pay a little bit of bills. At least I can pay my rent. Yeah. And then I found an agent. I just wanted... Because all my buddies are telling me, yeah, move to L.A., man, you know, get a commercial agent, start doing commercials. I did one uh, Chili's commercial. I was just seeing fries in the back, and they kept playing it, like, hundreds of times, man. And and now I got, like, 60 grand from, like, one commercial. I was like, right. what? Yeah. You know, it was unbelievable to me. Yeah. So I, I, one of my goals was, like, to get a college agent so I can do college <laughs> shows and to get a commercial agent so I can just book one commercial a year. And that's not hard, right? 365 right. days, one commercial. Yeah. And then I can just be chilling. You know, and uh, so I was on like those casting sites, right? Like LACasting.com, uh-huh. Casting Frontier, Actor Access, all that shit. Putting my pictures up there. I didn't have a reel. I didn't have an acting reel. So I just put my stand-up reel on mm-hmm. there. Um, I took some acting classes, but I wasn't like fucking a Juilliard graduate of right. acting, you know? So um, I like I remember um, I just wrote in a comment box of my LA casting profile, like new in town. Need an agent, you know. Yeah. This is probably where like people encounter those casting couch situations and end up doing porn. Probably. Luckily, you know, I I didn't encounter that. But I had uh, like maybe a couple Who knows, agencies. Man, could have been a thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> I had a couple agencies hit me up, fortunately, and one of them, I was so bad, I didn't know how to audition. That's in itself a skill, yeah. you know. Yeah. Sure. I, I had an agency. It was in a rental uh, management. Uh, <laughs> So you know how apartments like Park La Brea yeah. have like a oh, yeah, rental like management office. office, like yeah. a rental office, right? Yeah. So this agency, I'm doing quotes with my fingers, this agency rented out this rental office 
in this fucking shitty apartment in like Studio City, and yeah. I went there, and I was hoping to God they would sign me. You know what I mean? And then me read some sides of like a Staples commercial, like Staples, blah 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 blah, like a spokesperson thing. Yeah. And I was so bad that rental office agency didn't fucking want me, <laughs> and I just felt so rejected after two or three of those. I'm like, fuck it, dude. I'm gonna take some acting classes at least, concentrate on stand up first. And then, uh, well, I, you know, I think it's safe to say they probably didn't know what they. They probably didn't know. To be fair, to yeah. be fair, I would have rejected myself also. <laughs> I was that bad. Like, auditioning is extremely hard if you don't know what you're doing. I can't imagine. You know? So then I met this um, lady, uh, Jane Shulman, my first agent. Uh, she had a very small agent. She's just her, one woman thing, uh, in Manhattan Beach. And she sent me an email. She was like, you know, uh, I, I think you got a good look, you know, uh, Usually that means you look Asian enough or you look black enough. You, you got a clear look. Right. I can point, like, I look like an Asian nerd. That You know, so, so like, it kind of works. Right. It, you don't want to be the in-between guy. You don't want to be really fat. Because that's what shows up in, in the casting sheets, right? Right. Like, like, you don't want to be really fat yeah. or really skinny. You don't want to be yeah. in, in, in the middle guy because nobody's looking for that. You yeah. know what I mean? So um, I, I met with her, and uh, she didn't have me audition. She was just like, look... I'm gonna try to get you out. There's no promises. Yeah. And uh, I'll see how they respond and how you do. And uh, you want to do this? I was like, Yeah, I ain't got nothing else going on. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I did it, and surprisingly, man, she was really great. She started sending me out little commercials and even like small like guest spots, two lines on the TV show. Yeah. And then at that point, I was like, Holy shit, I can actually do this because I never thought I could um, be an actor. I thought it would be way down the line when I became a really successful comedian that I can maybe transfer to acting. Sure. But I didn't think, oh, man, now I actually have an opportunity in front of me. I just got to nail these auditions when I say two lines on Modern Family or like two and a half men or something. Right. So and then I, I really started taking it seriously, take acting classes, all that. Like all my money went to acting classes, you know. Yeah. Like my rent was 300 bucks. My acting class was 500 bucks a month. Wow. So I really hunkered down and started doing that. And the first audition I got, uh, that I landed was um, Two Broke Girls. Mm -hmm. It was two lines of Two Broke Girls. So happy, right? You know, get to join SAG. It was like maybe like 2800 bucks for the week, which is a lot of money yeah. for me. And uh, and then after that, I was like, you know, after a couple months of still not working, you auditioning, and you're like, oh, well, that was my only thing. Right. I'm never going to work again. Now at the comedy club, people's going to say, you seen Jimmy O. Yang from Two Broke Girls, <laughs> but when I get on stage, nobody, oh, who the fuck is this guy? Which one of the broke girls is Yeah, who, who yeah. is he? He's the third broke girl? <laughs> who is this guy? <laughs> so for the longest time, it did happen that way, and I yeah. was panicking, you know, and that took more and more acting classes and it led to bigger stuff, you know, two lines to like, Maybe a guest spot with like three, four scenes and like always sunny. Yeah. And then luckily, you know, Silicon Valley came about. Uh, that I got, I mean, it, it was, it was just, it was luck and it was the right place, the right time. Like they need an Asian guy, right? But um, they wrote him out of the original pilot, I think, uh -huh. this Jing Yang character. So they never casted him for the original ensemble yeah. until episode three. This resurfaced as a very small role. Two three lines. I don't know if you're familiar with the show. It's like mm -hmm. me opening and endorsing this Pi Piper. It was literally three lines, right? Right. So I got that job. I didn't think much of it. it Silicon Valley wasn't Silicon Valley back then. It was right. called a different name too. Oh really? It was before it even aired. It was third episode of the first season. It was still shooting. So um, I went there, and from that small part, I was able to still improv with the guys and all that. And uh, you know, they really liked me, and they kept me around for another episode and another episode. So I did three small episodes in the first season. 
And the second episode, like, I mean, I was like crying when this happened. Like, they signed me on as a series regular. Nice. So I've I've been there ever since. And I mean, it's just such an amazing experience. And what has happened to me, like, on that show, because so many comics, actors that have been acting all their life, have went through how many, like George Clooney, went through how many failed pilots until he right. got that. Uh, sure. Was it General Hospital? ER. ER. Right. Yeah. ER. And and it's heartbreaking, man. And I was able to kind of sneak in on the back door and become yeah. a series regular on this like Emmy nominated show. Yeah, fuck and, George Clooney. <laughs> right, fuck George Clooney, man. You know, Michael Clayton. I couldn't even understand that movie. <laughs> no, <laughs> but um, yeah. So that and then that leads. It's leading to something else. So yeah. so it's great. Like so, um, with that now, I'm able to progress a lot from where I was maybe just two years ago. So how much does that change the game? Like, I mean, it's a big deal to be on Silicon Valley. It's a, you know, respected show and, mm-hmm. and you know, it's hot and all that, right? And so, um, like, what does that do internally, externally, right? Is it just, like, giving you the, the confidence, you know, to keep building? Or, like, do you see, like, as, like I know you've done Arsenio. Like, mm-hmm. so do those things start happening as a result of Silicon Valley? Arsenio, I think, was right around the same time. Okay. I'm not sure if Silicon Valley started airing yet, but um, I, I don't know if that was a direct result, but it was similar. Uh, may, may, maybe. I don't know. It was a similar time period. Yeah. Uh, but what it led to, it led to... It's, it's Silicon Valley, the great thing about that show is people in the industry watch it. Right. So all the cast directors, yeah. like, they know. So, you know, sure. I, I, like, everybody, like, my agent was like, oh, he's the guy from Silicon Valley. You want to see him for this audition? Right. It becomes a pretty easy sell. Yeah. You know, so I'm able to get into more rooms and things like that. And uh, um, now I got a great manager that I got a bunch of stuff that I always wanted to do that I'm now able to do because of this, because like, I have like a platform. What? I'm writing a book. Um, nice. And uh, going on a road, doing more stand-up, like I said, now the clubs are more willing to book me because right. I have a credit that people can recognize me from, and sure. that's like a pretty hot credit. So now I can build my stand-up career on the road. In case, I mean, you never know. The TV, the movie stuff might dry up, right? Yeah. And also, uh, this probably could be a direct result from Silicon Valley or, the, you know, it's also right place, right time. I was the right actor for this. I just shot this movie called um, Patriot's Day. Yeah, yeah. Um, with uh, Mark Wahlberg. They have a bunch of like great, great, like amazing actors that I always looked up to. And uh, I get to shoot that in Boston. That was an amazing experience. So maybe nice. that would take it to the next level. And that's very dramatic. It's not quite comedy. Oh, wow. Yeah. So externally, those things like starting to happen and yeah. people are starting to not necessarily know who I am, but like at least familiar with you know, the show that I'm on. Mm-hmm. So there's a platform and a pointer for people to go to, right? Internally, uh, it's it's weird because um, for the longest time, you you know, I always write down goals and things like that. I write down crazy goals. This, being like, a series regular on an HBO show, would be an insane goal that I would have just wrote down maybe three or four years ago as a stretch, right? As yeah. something to just achieve maybe in 15 years. Sure. And then when it happens, it just it just all happens so quickly that you almost kind of gets um, thrown off a little. Like now, I've my whole life has been revolving around paying bills mm-hmm. and trying to achieve this goal. So now I don't necessarily have to worry about bills. I'm not rich, but like I don't have to worry about paying rent, and I don't. Uh, and I've achieved this 
gold that was beyond my wildest dreams to some extent. Yeah. Now what? Yeah. And that was a very scary moment. I had to go see a therapist. Like, holy shit! Like, what the fuck now? So then, dude, he, you're living the secret. Right. It, it's it's. I was. I guess I'm fortunate enough. Right. As a young man to uh, achieve my goal to the sense that. Like now, I can move to the next uh, step in the Maslow's triangle of hierarchy. You know right. what I mean of your needs. Yeah. Um, because I'm sure there's so many people that grinded out on a corporate job, right? Say if I would have stayed in finance, just like oh, only if I made six figures a year. Oh, only if I made manager, then I'll be fine. And then they work to the point when they're sixty, they're like, only if I can retire at sixty-five, I'm fine. They retire, and they're like. Now what? Yeah. Holy shit, I just lived my whole life and it's yeah. a sham towards a goal that meant really nothing, you right. know? Or just an exterior goal. So, you know, it teaches you to um, you know, work on yourself internally and uh be more uh satisfied and and become so who, a, a better human. Who taught you to start writing goals down? Uh, I just acting teacher. Um you know, I I think Acting teachers are very important to choose the right acting teachers, especially mm. in Los Angeles. There's so many scammers out there. Um, her name was uh, Karen West. Great, great teacher, especially when I first started. Uh, gave me a lot of confidence and a lot of practice. And also, she taught me a couple great habits, right? One of them is writing down goals, just putting it away in a box, right? And, mm -hmm. of course, I've seen the secret. And I do believe in that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. to, a, to a certain degree, the laws of attraction. So she taught me to write down goals. And also, um, she taught me to meditate. There's been so many times where, like, an audition seems so overwhelming. Like, imagine yeah. you're just like a whatever comic that hasn't been on TV, yeah. and now you got an audition for Walking Dead that can change your fucking life. You know, that's extremely overwhelming. Sure. So the only way I really was able to deal with it was I meditated. You know, what I kind meditated. of meditation? You do? Um, there's guided meditation. I have my iPhones now. There's mm -hmm. great apps. You know, uh, I Which, just what do you use? Um, I started with this app. It's called Simply Being. Okay. It's like two bucks. Very yeah. easy. It's just guided meditation, nothing fancy. Nice. And I just sit there, you know, uh, let it guide me for like 15 minutes. And I read a lot of books about it. Yeah. Um, reading this book, uh, The Power of Now by Eckhart yeah. Tolle. Yeah, Love yeah. that book. Um, you know, just about living in the moment. And mm -hmm. I think all of that is very true about acting, too. You can't be distracted. You got to live as this guy be in the moment, right? Um, and also, uh, I just I think I downloaded this app called Headspace. Yeah, pretty popular. Yeah, that's what I do. V very good James app. Too. Yeah? yeah, very good app. I think it's so useful whenever something overwhelms you. Mm -hmm. And um, so the meditation, the goal setting thing, I think those are extremely important because just like stand up, there's people out there probably more talented than me, you know, uh, much w more well trained than me, mm -hmm. but they just crack under pressure in an audition room or mm -hmm. something like that, right? And they can't do it. And those two things were the things that was able to propel me and, and give me the ease and confidence to uh, let my talent kind of shine through, you know? Sure. Well, I mean, I know there's a lot of hard work getting there, but, you know, the way you, you sort of make it sound, you know, pretty easy. Um, Compared to a lot of people, I mean, sure. I'm like truly like blessed. Yeah. Like it's pretty, it has been fairly easy for me in comparison. So, but have there been times along the way where you're like, you know, you, you, you want to give up? You're like, yeah. You go, what's, I mean, have you, have you bombed? It's, oh man, I mean, who hasn't bombed in, yeah. in stand up comedy, right? Yeah. But the good thing about stand up, you bomb one night, go back tomorrow and be funny. 
you know, it's fine. You don't yeah. think about it for more than 24 hours. Right. With acting, it's like if you bomb a Walking Dead commercial, right. I mean, not commercial, Walking Dead, uh, uh, you know, recurring yeah. audition or something. There's not really any coming back from that. You can't. Right. You could wait for the next audition, but then you're just gonna let that bad experience eat you away in the next audition. Yeah. You know. So. So what do you do? Um, you try to stay positive, and you know, I I was as a stand up. At least you have something to distract you from. You're like, you, I I I've, <laughs> I mean, I have said this many times. Like, well, fuck. This it looks like this acting thing's not working out. Well, at least I can go back and do stand up. I'm right. okay at that. You know. Yeah. So there's been times I told myself that, and um, there was a period of time where, um, you know, right after I got uh, the guest star on Always Sunny, but for like a year or so, I just did like little spots, like maybe another guest spot here and there, but it just, there's no progression in my career, and I was starting yeah. to freak out. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm in my late 20s now, you know, I'm college educated, and my parents got a lot of high expectations of me. I got to start doing some of my life, dude. Yeah. Like, oh man, maybe I give acting another year, see if there's any progress. Progress was what I was looking right. for, not a huge paycheck. And, and you then, know, and, and how are you, like, how, how do you know? How do you measure that? How do you know if you How do you measure progress? progress? Um, in acting, I mean, you could in a way that you start with a co-star, which is five lines or less, right. and then a guest star. And then recurring. So those right. will all be considered progress and then sure. series regular. And if you book a movie, that's progress. But if you just keep doing co-star, co-star, guest star, guest star, getting paid two grand every three months, yeah. it's not going to cut it. Yeah. You know. And luckily, I got some progress along the ways that kept me going. Mm -hmm. And I always kept my overhead very low. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't have any financial responsibility. I don't have kids. So no nothing like that. You know? the worst. <laughs> nothing like that, uh, you know. No, uh, no. To stop me from... I mean, they're the worst. If you want to go pursue your dream, that doesn't make you any money. You right. know, I, 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 I can see that. Sure. I don't have a dog, right. so I'm fine. Yeah, you they're know? the worst, too. And it was just really me against myself and yeah. um, and maybe against my parents' ideals and things like that. Right. Uh, but eventually, you know, um, yeah, it worked out. I mean, it all really all thanks to Silicon Valley. Yeah. Yeah. What was the biggest surprise, you know, now being a... A TV star, like you know, you get into that, like yeah. But what what what's happened that you were least expecting? Least expecting. I I, I knew that my life was going to change when I got that phone call. Yeah. About the series regular, even financially, just more stability in yeah. that sense, right? Um, but then you get to go to a lot, a lot of cool things. Like um, they never have enough seats for me to go to the actual Golden Globes or right. the Emmys. But like sure. I get to go to like the after parties, okay, where everybody was there. That's better know? anyway. Yeah, and I always freak out. You know, yeah. I just fanboy. Who know? do you freak out? Uh, this past year, I freaked out over Brian Cranston. Okay, you know, in, in in those rooms, everybody's somebody there. Yeah. So usually, you want to just go up to him and kind of talk to him, have a conversation. Right. But I just want him to. Oh my God! <laughs> huge fan. Breaking Bad too. Can I just take a picture? Like totally fanboy. You can. T but he's the nicest guy. You can tell. Like yeah. he kind of maybe didn't want to do it, but he did it anyways. Right. And like. He was so, so cool. And uh, I get to go to the Game of Thrones premiere. That nice. after party was amazing. And I'm a yeah. huge fan. Yeah. I went with my buddy and my girlfriend, and my buddy was <coughs> freaking out over all the stars from The Wire. Uh -huh. And uh, Elon Musk came into that premiere. Yeah. I mean, to the after party. Yeah. I freaked out over him. You know, it was, I didn't know what to do. Right. I just went up to him. Like, I was telling my mom, like, dude, I got to go shake his hand. I got to go shake his hand. I just I was like, hey, man, I just want to shake your hand. Uh, I, I, I pre ordered a Tesla 3. Really look for it. All right. <laughs> and he kind of looked at me like, 
okay, like, what else? Like, is there something else you yeah. actually want to talk to me about? Like, he was yeah. ready to talk to me. Sure. But I was just so fucking like, nervous. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I, like, yeah. stopped myself. I was like, thank you. <laughs> and then I just left. So things like that are very cool <laughs> That's to me. awesome, yeah. You know, I'm still For able sure. to. I don't think that goes away. Right. Even if you're Kevin Spacey, if you grew up watching, I don't know, like Sidney Poitier or something, like it do- it doesn't go away that if you see him now, you're still just a little fanboy. I think Kevin Spacey doesn't give a shit. <laughs> right, right, right. And I'm not trying to say <laughs> no. I'm Kevin Spacey. I'm just saying no matter what level you are, no, I'm you're, sure you're still right. a fan. Yeah. And that's the greatest thing. And I, I see a lot of like celebrities like hang out with uh, like actors hang out with athletes and I'm sure yeah. they freak out yeah, over yeah, each other sure. and now they're pals. That's the coolest yeah. thing ever. Yeah, because it's like, you know, people do stuff you can't do, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just because you're good at what you're doing, at least for me, I don't think of myself as anybody really important. I just, it's like, I'm just fairly good at this thing. Right. Like, if other people recognize me and I want to take a picture, that's awesome. Yeah. But it doesn't take away from the fact that how much admiration I have for other people. So how much does it change? You talked about early on, you know, this sort of brotherhood between comedians. Mm -hmm. Like, how does that change as you... I don't talk to any of those motherfuckers anymore. Are you kidding me? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Good for you. Yeah, you got to cut them, man. (laughs) Yeah, you got to stay real, bro. That's right. No, I I still, like some of my oldest friends, I still, um, this group of like San Diego comedians, um, and and we still talk a lot, and... uh, but but like when you're at the club and backstage, like do, are people like? Oh yeah, no, no. I mean, it, I'm still nobody compared to a lot of people. Yeah, you know, right. uh, I still can get stage time at right. a lot of places. Yeah, you know what I mean? I get it. But it's now cool that like uh, I go I go do a lot of shows at the Comedy Magic Club at Hermosa Beach, one of the best clubs ever. And good thing about that club, Friday Saturday, I have like ten comedian showcases. Yeah. Every one of them is like great. It's not yeah. like hipster people fucking around. Yeah. You know. And uh, some legends like George Wallace, Larry Miller, you know, Tosh would show up sometimes. Yeah. So it's great to get to just be in the green room and shoot the shit with those guys. Sure. It doesn't matter if I'm on a show or not. Right. If I am, sometimes it's cool. Like uh, another comedian is like, oh, man, you're, oh, man, that's, oh, man, you're funny on that show, dude. Oh, yeah. man, it's great seeing you. So now they're a fan, like, which is awesome. That's cool. But regardless of that, it's just fun hanging out. There's always a brotherhood, no matter if you're open micer or you're like, Jerry Seinfeld is a brotherhood amongst comedians. We know how much we have grinded to be here. Yeah. To whatever degree we're in. What about like I heard Gerard Carmichael talking about uh, when he he started kind of blowing up, and then he gets a call from, you know, I think he got oh, a call yeah. from Cosby and like Eddie Murphy, like uh, I forget who it was, Chris Rock. Somebody called him. It was like wow. kind of like you know. I called him too. He didn't pick up. No. <laughs> but, you know, he talked a little bit about, like, the 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 veteran, like, black comedians kind of embracing him. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and yeah. you know, taking him under their, not necessarily under their wing, but, like, into the circle to some extent. Like, are you getting that? Like, is Margaret Cho hitting you up? Like, uh, Margaret Cho is not hitting me up. I'm not as important as Jorah. Jorah has his own show, which is huge, right? Fair enough. But uh, Ken Jong did hit me up. Okay. And I'm a huge fan of his. Yeah. He tweeted me. And I tweeted him back. I'm like, dude, big fan of yours. He's like, dude, me and my wife love Silicon Valley. Jing Yang was like a favorite character. <laughs> and just so happened, uh, we shoot on stage uh, 27 at Sony. Okay. They shoot at 26. So oh, we're wow. right next to each other. Yeah. So we went and visited. This was this might have been one of the greatest moments of my life, of yeah. my career. So I went there just to hang out because uh, they have a live taping. They have a live yeah. audience and everything. And after that, there's a curtain call. They shake hands with the audience, take pictures of the audience. 
so Ken's wife was watching, uh, you know, uh, next to everybody, and I was mm-hmm. there. I said hi there, and she's like, oh, man, yeah, Ken's such a big fan. Very nice lady, right? And then um, as I was about to leave, I just want to say bye to Ken because he was doing all our current call second hand. Yeah. So I was like, hey, Ken, it's Jimmy. Just want to say hi. And then Ken completely freaked out. He was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Hey, get the camera. Get the camera. He told his wife to get the camera and, like, took a picture of me. No and, way. like, all the audience people in the rafters like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> like, why is Ken freaking out? Sure. Like, so he... Like, we should be, like, the leader of each other's, like, fan club. Yeah. Like, he was just such a fan. And he was just so genuine and nice. And it was incredible to yeah. know somebody that you look up to is a fan of your work. Sure. And that was seriously, like, the coolest moment of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Does that does that fuel you, like, to to write or to... What, what does that do? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's these... Absolutely exciting moments that why you want to get into this business. That's yeah. not going to happen in, say, finance right. necessarily, sure. right? So it's not too many finance fanboys. Although I'm sure, <laughs> right. I'm sure there's a few. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it's not. I. I it, it does fuel me for sure, but I, I look at it as, as just a nice bonus. Yeah. Even if none of these things happen, yeah. I can find a fuel to do what I do. Sure. Um, I think internally that's got to be something that fuels you, and these things are just really, really awesome bonuses. That happens on top of that. Yeah, that's cool. And what about like you know, uh, you know, like Ali Wong kind of is mm-hmm. blowing up with her special and yeah. all that. Like, does that, you know, is there like a market for Asian comedians? I guess I'm wondering, like, to what extent are is that competition or does it raise everybody's like? How how does that work? I think a younger, more egotistical me would, would thought, ah, fuck this person, you know, right. I'm the only funny Asian person. Right. But the more you grow, you realize the pie's big enough for everyone. Yeah. It's not, if she makes it, she only opens more doors for you. <coughs> sure. Now the Cubs see, oh, now there's an Asian fan base? Right. Because she can't do every weekend right. in San Francisco. She can't do every weekend in Kansas. Yeah. Guess what? If she sells out weekend, then the club's going to, maybe pay me more and be more likely to book me in another weekend. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. now there's an Asian maybe audience that go to that club. So it can only help. And um, it, it's... it's. Do you think that's true too for 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 acting? For for roles? Nah, nah, that's not true. I mean, I, I hope there's not another Asian motherfucker that look like me, you know, <laughs> and take my roles. Um, it, is, it is less true about yeah. acting, I'll say that. But yeah. acting is... Is to because there's so few roles written for you. Got so serious when you said acting. Did I acting? (laughs) I went uh, like gravitas. James Lipton on you. Yeah, yeah. Acting, (laughs) improv. Um, I just I just try to be the best at doing what I do. Yeah. There might be an Asian actor. I'm sure there is tons of Asian actors that are better than me. But like Ken, right? But me and him's not going to go out for the same roles. Like he can play my dad. Yeah. Um, and also that's a good sitcom right there. That would be great, dude. Are you kidding me? Um, that would be awesome. Uh, and, you know, there might be another Asian guy that looks like me or something, but um, I have my own thing going, you know? Like, I, yeah. I'm good at certain things that I do that other people might not be. Um, you know, like, I can improv, I can do whatever. So you just try to be the best you are and try not worry about it, you know? Yeah. There's a ton of articles out there about how minorities and Asian actors aren't getting enough work. Sure. Um, I agree with that. There's just not enough roles written for us. But my thing is I never blame the system like that. That only gets you down. It's like my black friend when he gets pulled over. He's like, 
oh, he pulled me over because I'm black. It's like, no, you, you're driving a 1970s shit car with half half your tire flat and, like, two taillights out. That's why he pulled you over. Yeah. You know, I don't go immediately. He's like, oh, I didn't get this audition because I'm Asian. Yeah. Like, if you don't get the audition, go take more acting classes. Go go right. be better, right? Yeah. And And just try to get to a point where you're so good. It's undeniable for you to hire you, even for a role sure. that's not ethnically specified. It's very libertarian of you. Or I, I would like to say, I, I, you know, it's just, you try to put that pressure yeah. on yourself and not blame anything, because that never gets you anywhere. Yeah. What about, um, oh, what's the book? Oh, the book, I mean, I'm still very early phases of it, you yeah. know, in the process of uh, writing a proposal, selling it and all that. Okay. But it's it, it's going to be about um, my, like, how I, be, from from an immigrant, became an actor, the unlikelihood of that, and yeah. and. It's like an Arnold story, kind of. Uh, uh, did he write a book? Yeah, but I no, guess. No, I don't know. Probably. Yeah, yeah. And then it. it Somebody it, wrote it for him. It I'm ends sure. with banging my maid. Nice. And, and marrying Kennedy. That, nice. That's that's how mine is, too. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, like through the road, like I told you about the music, yeah. the acting, the stand up, there's like other like phases of my life. You know, yeah. I was a used car salesman, I was a strip club DJ. All that stuff. That and I led wanted me to be a to... strip club DJ. Who didn't, right? Yeah, I didn't have the voice for it. Well, you do. It doesn't. You just. You just gotta. <laughs> I think you gotta have that voice, or connect. maybe there's a, like a, a filter that can plug into the board. Get that. <laughs> maybe strip yeah, club it, DJ plug-in. It's the voice and it's it's salesmanship. Yeah, it becomes yeah. selling lap dances, yeah. high pressure sales. That, that's sure. that's what it is. So where was that? It was in San Diego. Oh, okay, that's so, a good place um, for. Him. Yeah, so one of the main chapters that I really like about the book that I'm going to put in the proposal and all that and, and see, you know, what the response is, is um, the strip club <coughs> chapter, you know, like uh, the gangster part of my life. Yeah. You know, how that how that came about and how that, that went sells, away. That sells, You know, hopefully. You know, yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens. That's big. Yeah. So, you, you know, you talk in your act or, you know, I've, I've only seen the YouTube stuff. Sure. Um but I want to come to a show. But that's all you need to see. My show is actually shit. No, nice. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, you just save the best. Put the best yeah. two minutes on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything else uh, just fillers. Right. Uh, so you know, you you have a lot of jokes about hip hop. Sure. And um, and I, you know, I had Brandon Wardell on the show, and he's like same thing. He's like a lot of hip hop mm -hmm. in his act. And I, so I'm curious. Like, I know you're a fan, um, but like. Is that a generational thing or is it just because there's no one I don't know anyone is on stage telling jokes about the Eagles and like right right yeah you know I mean like is it is it hip-hop just funny or is is it what is it it is a very generational thing I don't know about Brandon but uh the Asian community oddly enough is very close to the hip-hop community yeah yeah I mean prime example you look like Jin you look at Jin you look at Eddie Huang yeah very hip-hoppy guy for right? sure so I think there's something we both feel like we may be outsiders, and that was the music we gravitated to. Yeah. So it become it became part of my upbringing, and part of who made me who I am. You know, and um, what made me who I am. And uh, you know, it's just like me being Asian. It's right. like I listened to hip hop when I was growing up, and sure. that uh, you know uh, sculpted me into who I am. So you know, you just got to talk about. I just talk about the stuff that's true to me. And maybe one day I'll have an eagle joke about going on a road trip with my dad about eagle. It's not that I talk about hip hop because I think it's funny. It's just it's part of me and it's real. Sure. And I observe it more closely, or I used to at least, uh, than maybe rock and roll. 
Yeah, I just don't know. Like, I I never heard like the rock and roll comic. Like, yeah, I guess you know, or maybe like uh, Russell Brand has a vibe. Like, he's kind of rock and rollish. Uh -huh, yeah, vibe. Sure. Yeah, you know. Um, but is he making jokes about like the Strokes or whatever? His, I, I, don't I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. I think just uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Is your, so you said like you so is your. Are you old enough that your relationship to hip hop and music is has changed? Uh yeah. I mean, when I was not when I was growing, I didn't grow up listening to hip hop. Right. But when I was growing up in high school, that's what I listened to. Yeah. You know. Um. So, I don't know anything about like people always say, "Oh, five best rappers. Who's your who's your top five, Right. right. And then it's like, "Oh, Rakim, KRS-One." I'm like, I don't know any of their songs. Like, right. don't hate me. I don't know anything. Yeah. You know, when I was when I was listening, it was like Tupac, Biggie, right. and then it got into the Dirty South stuff. Of course, the West Coast, Snoop Dogg, Warren G, all that. You know, Dr. Dre stuff. Yeah. So that's the stuff I like. And then I kind of, you know, after college, you just, I don't know, you just start doing your own thing and you don't follow that closely. Right. Now on my, like, iTunes music, on my Apple music, I just, I just listen to, like, the top pop station uh -huh. and, like, funny songs that I like that's right. kind of catchy, like, it go down in the DM, it go down. There's no value to these songs except right. it's fun. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a time and place for it. Sure. You know, it's always fun, but yeah. it's not necessarily going to change anybody's life talking about going down in the DM or pandas. Panda. Yeah. Shit's crazy. Yeah. So it's, uh, I just it, can't see it in the club, it. though, man. It works. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then, and then I, I was just never a club guy. Right. You know, um, yeah. But and then you, you realize, like, all this beef, like East Coast, West Coast beef, mm -hmm. blah, 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 who and who, so and so. When you grow up and you get old, you realize how stupid that shit is. <laughs> right. You got plenty of problems in your own life. Yeah. It's like the same thing like the people that die hard sports fans. Yeah. I'm a Clippers fan. But if the Clippers lose, I'm not going to let it ruin my day and like, you know, defend my position when like a Laker fan start talking shit. I'm like, whatever, dude. Like if yeah. you feel so go live your life, yeah. you know. Like you don't even know the, any of these people. Yeah, like people like stand like yeah, they're like, uh, yeah, Drake, man, Drake, Drake, Drake's the best rapper, and then the other guy's like, no, Meek Mills, man, fuck Drake. It's like, right. really? Why don't you do something with your own life instead of talking about these two other people that doesn't even give a shit about you? You know what I mean? But for some reason, people are drawn to that. Cause they've, I don't know, they've nothing, they've nothing in their life. I don't, I don't know okay. what it is. It's a lot of free time, and then obviously back in the day, a lot of talk was like, "What do you think Jay Z's best album was?" You know, right? It's a fun conversation, <laughs> but I'd rather talk about life. Yeah. I'd rather talk about comedy, yeah. shit that actually matters to me these days. You know, sure. it's it's just a waste of time. Or like they say, who's better, LeBron or Jordan? Who cares? LeBron's playing with this, right. with the you know yeah, against the Warriors. Right. Go enjoy it. That's yeah. it. Why, why do you need to debate it? You yeah. think they care that you debate it? Who gives a shit, dude? Are you serious? Of course. Plus the answer, Steph. But uh, no, I'm, I'm like, yeah, it's a ridiculous. <laughs> right. It's a ridiculous. Thing. I love that whole thing of like this guy who's like 50 years old and then. Some young guy, like, who's better? Yeah, yeah. He's like, well, yeah. yeah, if Bill Russell played uh, <laughs> right. the Warriors now, can they beat him? <laughs> Who cares, dude? Bill Russell's chilling at his house. He got 10 rings or whatever the fuck he yeah. has. You know, and Steph Curry sure. got some Under Armour money. We're all fine, <laughs> except you, the guy that's talking about it. I bet you that guy, I bet you anybody that has these conversations doesn't make over 50 grand. Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> it's like, come on. Talk about your own life. Worry about your own shit. That's amazing. What, uh, who inspires you? Like, what comics are you 
All the checking uh, for uh, BT Comic View as a whole. Still now. Uh, I don't know about still now, but you know, uh, I don't. No, think that's what I meant. Like now, oh, who do you yeah, like? Yeah. I mean, um, Dave Chappelle really yeah. shaped. You know my sensibility to humor when I was in high school, but I mean, who didn't watch the Chappelle Show, right? Yeah. Now you ever um, go back and watch it? Yeah. Oh, I, I have all the DVDs, and I think it's yeah. on Hulu now. Yeah, yeah, we see it on Hulu. So good, dude. Yeah. Um, now I try to not watch as much stand up because you know I don't I don't really want to have other people's opinion influence me or anything like that, and um, nothing particularly catches my eyes. Maybe I'm just more jaded because I'm a stand up myself yeah so i just try to go do my own thing and of course like people like bill burr ck and all that they're doing amazing things right like yeah. writing an hour every year that's something to strive for and yeah. um i like certain comics i like you know burr and ck i think they have a great style and they're very very funny but i'm past i think i'm a little past the point where like it shapes my sense of humor now mm-hmm. that's just their style and then i'm just trying to develop and work on my own style yeah, do you run into jokes that are like, you're like right or something, and you're like, this is funny, but not for me? Uh, yes, yes, yeah. I do. Like random thoughts and things like that. Now I try to write more stuff. Can you sell those? Are there lesser are, comedians you can, I, like, I wouldn't know if you want Venmo, to be my agent. Venmo me $25 and oh, you can jo- have this I can joke. Send, I can send it to Jimmy Fallon or something. <laughs> he, he probably needs some of it. Oh. oh no, I, 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 Jimmy, I would like to be on your show if you would like to have me. Uh, <laughs> People love that Jimmy Fallon. It's not for me. It's, it's not. It's. I think it's going into that hipster era. Yeah. I'm. I. I'm that hip hop BT comic view era. Right. Some people like they will probably say my shit is like stupid and like simple, whatever. Right. But I would say they stuff is too smart. Just be funny. Don't try to be smart. Don't try to be like cute. Yeah. Just be fucking funny. It's comedy. That's my thing. I think Fallon is great. He's super talented. I mean, I can't imagine what it's era. like to have to entertain like that many people of that broad. Uh, uh, stroke of america yeah right on a nightly basis that's tough that seems tough um i talked to a couple writers they used to write for leno yeah leno was one of my heroes growing up you know and uh at the end of the day his show was middle america you know Uh, yeah of course that's 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 what it gets soap right yeah so i i talked to a writer he said i used to write three versions of a joke a version that i really like that's kind of edgy yeah a version that's uh watered down yeah. And then a version for Middle America. Wow. So and and guess which jokes they took. You know, it's not that Jay's not funny. I think he's yeah. he's really really awesome at what he does, but it just they have to cater to that audience. You know, that pays the bills. Yeah, absolutely. So I know you like to write down goals. What's what's uh, what's written? What's written and not crossed off? Well, the immediate goals. Uh, you know, I need to buy a house. I still live in a really crappy apartment, so maybe next year I can okay. buy a house. Um, I am. Um, Where are you, you gonna know, buy? I don't know. I'm looking. That's an important decision in LA. See Santa Monica. I want to just maybe get a condo in Santa Monica. I can't yeah. afford a house in Santa Monica. Yeah, nobody can. Yeah, but it's just like I, Mark I Cuban love that. can't afford it. Right, right. I love that area. It's great. Right now, I live in like Miracle Mile. Uh-huh. It's pretty central, but yeah. it's just. It's, it's good for uh, getting to auditions. It's it is great, yeah. But Santa Monica, I mean, you want to live in LA, you want to live in California <coughs> because of the beach. Yeah. So maybe that's somewhere I'm kind of heavily considering. But uh, other goals, you know, uh, immediate, pretty immediate goals. Got to do this book. Well, let me ask you this way: Things like, like that? yeah, what, what, when will you ever feel like you you made it? Um. I feel like I made it now to a degree, right? Good. Like we're done. Thanks for coming. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. It's it's but but you always you you 
you just want to make sure you refresh your goals and then yeah. well, like what's made it to me made it is i have enough money to pay my bills you know yeah. so making for me making 40 grand a year could have i could have said i made it you sure. know and this is like beyond uh to some degree but then after you get to this point now you got some other goals so make make it as what make it as a couple getting married with a girl you know make it financially owning a big house buying your parents a house mm-hmm. that will be making it uh in in an, in a future goal you know but uh right now i feel very fortunate and i'm just enjoying a lot of you know what i'm doing now and i do feel like in the sense of that word i i have made it at least for myself maybe nice. people don't recognize me or anything but you know you know i've made it for That's myself their problem. yeah yeah. That's amazing. Well, let's let's uh let's promote some shit. Yeah. Um So wait, when is Patriots Day out? Patriots Day is uh the early release is December seventeenth okay. in the major cities. So I think Boston, New York, LA will be December seventeenth, and then January is the wide release. Nice. Extremely excited about that. A little nervous, you know, it's the it's the biggest I mean the first movie I've done, you know, so uh but I, I, I think the shoot was great. I think it's going to be awesome. And uh, it's going to be a pretty powerful story. Yeah. 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 And, then, and then what else is coming up? Um, so I got some stand-up dates. You can go on jimmycomedy.com or follow me at FunnyAsianDude on Twitter and Instagram. I, don't, I can't do Snapchat. And uh, so how, how, Facebook, all that. How important is the social? Like, I know you have a bunch of stuff on YouTube, and that's how I found yeah. you. But, like, is there a, is there a social media strategy Dude, I think I need to hire somebody, man. Yeah. I don't know how to do Twitter. I don't know. Like, I, I just do it whenever I have time, and I just put some, like, funny. Yeah. And a picture on Instagram. Facebook, I, I try to manage it because a couple of my videos, like, blew up on Facebook, and I got a ton of fans. Yeah. Which is a great platform to now promote for my live shows. Sure. Uh, but Does that work? Oh, yeah, it does. People, Facebook. You get people out to the shows from Facebook? Man, let me tell you, man. Like, I follow the stock market. I've, I yeah. own Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. And Twitter's been tanking. Yeah. And it totally makes sense because I put $50 in to promote a tweet in Twitter. Yeah. It doesn't sell. It sell, barely sell any tickets. If I put $50 in Facebook, that's going to turn into way more than $50 worth of tickets. Like, it's totally fucking worth it. That's why Facebook, they have, like, you know, cracked the code on advertisement or whatever algorithm they're using. It's yeah. great. Yeah. So I'm using that. And um, uh, live show-wise... Uh, August eighth uh, and 9th, I'll be at the San Francisco Punchline. Oh, cool! So, uh, yeah, make sure you guys. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. August 9th and tenth, San Francisco Punchline. So you can you can check all that on my social media and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Thanks for being here, man. I appreciate. Thanks for having me, man. Having this has been in. fun. Yeah. So, uh, well, everybody, watch the show Silicon Valley. Watch Jimmy online. Go see him live, and do come back. Promote some shit. Absolutely. Ready. I will. Thank you so much. Nice. Yeah. Okay, I hope you liked that one. I know I did. That's a funny dude right there. Uh, come back next week. We got more Rebel Radio. My man, Rel, a rising star in the Jersey Club scene. He's going to tell us. First of all, if you don't know what Jersey Club is, you have one week to do your research and figure that out. It's pretty cool stuff. I was not up on it. But now I am, thanks to Rel. So make sure you come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.